So thou, O son of man, I have set thee a watchman unto the house of Israel. Therefore thou shalt hear the word of my mouth and warn them from me. Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. Coming to you from an undisclosed location in Middle Tennessee and examining current events from a biblical perspective, this is Bible News Radio with your hosts, Randall and Stacy Harp. All right. Hey, everybody. Do I hear music? No. <laughs> is there music playing that I don't hear? Yeah, just pretend. Okay. All right, people. Yeah, do you hear that great music? There we go. <laughs> All right. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the show. I'm so glad that you're here with us tonight. Yeah, I am. Now that we have the music. I have to thank Fairface for doing the production, you know. We're a two-person production. Anyway, tonight, you guys, we have been promoting this show, this interview, for a couple weeks now. Super happy to have my friend Jeff here tonight with me to talk about his book, Interview with the Antichrist, His Hour Has Come. Yeah, and I have to tell you that it was hard for me to put this book down so I could interview him about it, because I want to go and I want to finish it. Yeah, I do, so... Do me a favor, okay? Those of you who can get on any of our platforms, please share it out to wherever you're at, okay? Because I guarantee you, <laughs> I guarantee you're going to want to hear this conversation. You're, you will. I guarantee it. All right, so I'm going to go ahead and share this again. Also, I'll let you know a little bit about Jeff here. We're going to read his bio just off the back of the book here. He is the president of Main Thing Ministries and the host of the Vintage Truth Podcast, which, by the way, you should listen to. And he's the author of 32 books and speaks around the country on the subject of Bible prophecy. By the way, this is not the first time he's been on our, our little show, just so you know. He's written a lot of books. But this one, I think it's time has come. And... Uh, he lives in Arkansas with his wife, Beverly, and uh, you can learn more by going over to jeffkinley.com. Yeah, you can. Hey, thanks for inviting people over there. See you do that. Thank you. Appreciate it. <clears throat> so here's the thing. You can go over to Amazon and you can read some of the reviews. I'm going to tell you that the back of this book says, to whom it may concern. This is my personal record of the events of 2030 to 2037. The world is in chaos, and if you're reading this, it means you've survived. Good luck. Julian. So I have a question for you. What if you were a journalist, and all of a sudden you went to a press conference with world leaders, and there was a big world leader there that called on you, a newbie journalist, to uh, do an interview, you know, to ask a question. I have to tell you, I kind of was at a, a press conference like that, I don't know, a little over a year ago. It wasn't, it wasn't like a, a, like a presidential one or anything though. It was, it was Dolly Parton. Dolly Parton had a big press conference and I was, I was in the audience. It was online, but I was still in the audience. I was one of the press that was able to come and, and she asked me, well, she came, she said, hey, go ahead, Stacy. what's your question? <clears throat> and I was like, oh my gosh, Dolly Parton asked me, asked me to ask her a question. And so I, I asked her the question that I asked her, which I don't even remember. And it was funny because not all the people in the press could ask her a question. And anyway, that's kind of what this book starts out with, you know, is this guy, this young unknown journalist gets a question, he asks the question and next thing you know, he's being called to a meeting with this person. Yeah, he is. And the story takes off from there. And I really want to go read it and finish it, but I can't because I have to talk to the author of the book. <laughs> so, Jeff, hey, welcome back to the show. Glad you're here. Um, there you are. Can't hear him. Hmm. Should I turn my volume up on my... What one? Can I hear you now, Jeff? Yes. I'm now, here. I, now I can hear you. Okay. <clears throat> awesome. 
So welcome back to the Bible News Radio. Glad you're here. Yeah, it's great to be back again. So you're one of the few people that I've had on my show that I've actually met on more than one occasion in person. <laughs> I don't know if that's a good thing or, no, or it's a bad a, thing. It's a, it's a good thing. I mean, I think the first time I had you on, I hadn't met you in person yet. And, but now I have. So I think the last time we saw each other was at the prophecy conference in Oklahoma a couple of yes. years ago. Absolutely. So how are things going for you? Very busy. It's been uh, kind of a whirlwind here and God just seems to be throwing a lot of things my way. And it's, uh, it's kind of great to be able to manage those things, but also just an opportunity to get the word out about, uh, about God and his word and just some incredible things that are happening in the world. And, kind of how this book really ties that all together. Yeah, I have to ask you, okay, so for, I know I have a lot of new people who probably tune in. They're curious about who the Antichrist is and stuff, but I'd like to know who you, who are you? <laughs> like give people your background. I know, I know your background, but it'd be good if you just told them a little bit more about who you are. Yeah, just in a nutshell, um, I'm not a, I was not raised as a Christian. And so th that world was very unfamiliar to me. And uh, did not, uh, I just basically pursued athletics and paganism uh, until I was uh, 16 years old and then had a, a remarkable transition in my life to where I uh, met Jesus Christ and in terms of, of a personal relationship with him and, and I became a Christian. And that changed the trajectory of the rest of my life. And I had never read anything deeper than a comic book by age 16. And, and so all of a sudden I've got this just voracious desire for truth. Uh, because now I'm a Christian. So I start reading the Bible. I start reading Christian books. And uh, I think I read about 52 Christian books the first year as a baby Christian. And so that really whet my appetite for truth. And so um, after uh, going to college and, uh, and then uh, after college, went to Dallas Theological Seminary, where I got my Master of Theology degree and then went straight into student ministry, where I began teaching the Bible to teenagers in a language they could understand. And I uh, did that for, for many, many years, about 25, 28 years, and was also pastoring a church at the same time. So I've uh, been a pastor for a little over 30 years, and the last, um, uh, th through that time, written obviously a lot of books, uh, but uh, the last three or four years uh, have just been speaking and writing full time. So that's what I'm doing now, just uh, traveling around and taking the message. I, I it's It's crazy. So like you, I became a believer in high school as well. Um, and I wasn't raised in a Christian home and I devoured a gazillion Christian books when I was first born again, including the late great planet earth. Mm -hmm. Uh, that was like one of my very first prophecy books. What was one of yours? Just curious. Uh, actually that, that one. And then after that, Satan is alive and well on planet earth. Uh huh. I dove yeah. right into Hal Lindsey. Right. I really wish this book had been around when I was a teenager mm -hmm. because not being a reader, I still would have read this story just because it's so compelling. But you're right. I mean, Hal Lindsey is really kind of what, what my appetite got me hooked on Bible prophecy. I had totally forgotten about Satan is Alive and Well on Planet Earth until you just said that. But that yeah. was, yeah, that was another book that I read. Did mm -hmm. you see the movies, the uh, A Thief in the Night, Distant Thunder, and Image of the Beast? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Did they scare <laughs> you like they did me? <laughs> it was kind of the best that Christian <laughs> 70s cinema could do at the time. <laughs> Which wasn't that good, to be honest. Yeah, it was. No, it was horrible. We've progressed a little bit since then. <laughs> I was telling somebody today at Pickleball about it. I was, I was saying, there's this creepy song, "You've Been Left Behind." You remember that? Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh! Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, Larry Norman. Yeah. Yeah. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. But so those were the days, right? Of of, but at the same time, okay, I bring that up because, um, you know, because that was in the '80s, right? So. And maybe those movies were like right before that, but mm -hmm. I I didn't become a believer until I was in my in, in the eighties. And and Hal Lindsey was really big back then. He's kind of okay today, but I don't know that as many people listen to him as they used to. You know, and well, in I, fact, his book um, "Late Great Planet Earth" was the biggest selling book of the entire seventies decade, secular and Christian. I did not. I know. mean that that book really did kind of I think help. To, and he's a Dallas Seminary graduate as well, but I think he, it really helped bring prophecy to the forefront uh, because the world really was in a state of flux then, nowhere near where it is now. Right. Uh, but I think it really did kind of heighten people's awareness about the fact that, hey, wait a minute, we might not, this thing may not last forever the way we're doing it. So, uh, so yeah, I think it was a very um, a strategic tool 
that God used to kind of help bring that to the surface. And then, you know, 20 years later or whatever, here comes the Left Behind series and that kind of thing. And so um, so every now and then I think God gives this kind of push to the world. Say, hey, don't forget this is going to happen. Yeah. And I was going to say, too, you know, like Chuck Missler, he's with the Lord now. Jack Kinsella just died, you know. No, not Jack. Yeah, no. He did he die? I don't know. No, 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 no. The other guy, Jack Van Impey. That's who I meant. Okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Jack Van Impey just just died, and he was you know really into Bible prophecy as well. Um, and and it, anyway, it's been interesting just to watch kind of like the oldies kind of go away. Tim LaHaye is gone, mm-hmm. you know, and and so now it's you, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> you and a whole bunch of other people in our age group. <laughs> well, I think what's very interesting, you should mention that. I think that God really is raising up voices for this generation. And whether I'm one of those voices or not remains to be seen. But I think God has allowed me to be in a strategic place and really to travel the world and to be able to tell people in different countries about what the Bible says. And Lord willing and in, uh, in May, I'll be uh, traveling to Italy to speak with uh, Pastor Billy Crone at a prophecy conference oh, cool. there, assuming this coronavirus doesn't completely uh, consume us here. Uh, but uh, but yeah, I mean, I think that it's, it's, it's one of these times of history where God really is opening people's eyes to this thing. And not just people in the Christian world, which is strategic, but mm-hmm. also people in the secular world as well. Because uh, a book like this, Stacey, I really think is the kind of book you could give to a non-Christian because it is a dark, apocalyptic kind of novel. Uh, but at the same time, it's like I said before, it's not this campy uh, sort of Christian uh, version of things. I mean, there are no Christian heroes in this book. I mean, it's just a book about what's going on behind the scenes with the Antichrist. So it really is uh, something that I think people, even with the, the cover itself, is just very European and that kind of thing. So um, for me personally, I, I intentionally wrote the book like that because I wanted it to be a bridge builder to people who may not be already familiar with Bible prophecy. Yeah. And you know what? Like I was, everybody, I was telling Jeff right before we started that, that I, I don't read fiction. Usually I used to read a ton of fiction, but then I got out of it and I couldn't even get into the left behind series, which I know tons of people read and loved and stuff. I, I couldn't get into Frank Peretti's books either. This present darkness. I couldn't read any of that stuff. This one, I really want to tell you what I've read, people, but I'm not going to. But you're gonna to have to go get the book. I guarantee you, you will, you will get hooked. I'm totally hooked. Okay, so I gotta tell you, Jeff. Uh, aside from being hooked uh, because of this, but my question is, how did you come up with this idea to do a book about interviewing the Antichrist and looking behind the shadows and all that? Because I think that's brilliant. Clearly, God gave well, me problem. Again, I, I've always been passionate about communicating God's truth to the next generation in a language that they can understand without compromising Bible truth. That's kind of always been my thing. It was always my my MO in youth ministry and collegiate ministry and the church that I planted. Everything was geared around that. I'm going to put the Bible in your language, but it's still going to be the Bible, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, several years ago, I wrote a book called The Christian Zombie Killer's Handbook. And uh, it was basically, uh, it was half novel and half um, non half nonfiction where I addressed the sin nature in humanity and just called it the zombie within. But the zombie novel was a complete secular novel. And then you had the biblical portion as well. And that book helped me have a lot of inroads into the secular community because of the topic uh, that I was writing about zombies. Zombies are still huge, right? Mm-hmm. Um that book was really one way that I endeavored to try to penetrate into the darkness of this world with the truth of God. So, but I hadn't written a fiction based novel like that since then. So recently, or I'd say a year or two ago, when I came with this, with this idea of antichrist, my heart's desire was simply to tell the world and to tell the church what the Bible says about the antichrist, because Uh, He is the most mentioned figure in end time prophecy with the exception of Jesus Christ Uh, with over a hundred passages in the Bible about him over 36 times uh, in the book of revelation. He's called the beast. He's mentioned uh, five times in John's epistle. So he's everywhere. He's in first Thessalonians. Jesus talks about his acts and deeds in Matthew 24. So he's a prime figure and, and character in the end time. So I just wanted to write a book about that. And uh, when I was, uh, my agent was pitching this book to uh, 
to uh, publishers across the country, Thomas Nelson came on and said, hey, this is a great concept. Would you be open to writing a fiction novel that would help us reach millennials and people that are younger and maybe not so familiar with Bible prophecy, maybe wouldn't pick up a book on theology or eschatology, but would pick up a historical fiction or something like that? Because right now, historical fiction is huge with millennials. Right. And I thought for about 10 seconds, I thought, man, that sounds so exciting. Yes, I'd love to do that. So that's sort of how that came about. And the more I got into it, the more I was able to craft the story in such a way where it really does make a connection with the reader on, on several different levels. And one of the things I did, Stacey, was I had a millennial focus group that I used uh, as I was writing this book. And I would occasionally just, you know, take sections and just kind of pass it out to them or send it to them and just say, what do you think? Am I, am I missing the mark here in terms of, you know, I don't want to come across this way or whatever. And they kept coming back saying, oh my gosh, please send more. We, we can't stop reading this or I'm getting chills down my back kind of thing. And these are people that are not, that wouldn't necessarily be considered as uh, your mainstream Christians. Mm -hmm. So, um, so that gave me a lot of confirmation. So that's sort of how the book uh, came about. And of course, at the end of the book, as you know, I've got a section called meet the antichrist where I have uh, 30 intriguing questions that people typically ask about the Antichrist. I answer every single one of them straight from scripture. So it's kind of a both. It's kind of a one, two punch, double barrel uh, punch here where you get the fiction on the one side. That's a real bridge building, but it's almost like a trail of breadcrumbs that leads you to the back of the book where they're going to get the truth. Right. And if you if you actually know anything, if you're an older believer and you've studied Bible prophecy, like I was telling Jeff before the show, I see all these different little little seeds if you will cr crumbs throughout it going huh wonder why he said that oh i wonder <laughs> like the antichrist birthday yeah <laughs> which i'm not gonna say because you're gonna have to get the book to read it you figure out what his birthday is and i kind of have an idea of why but you know anyway well well i'll ask you that later but uh, but anyway, so let's ask, okay, so first of all, I want to tell anybody out there, hey, if you guys have a question for Jeff, now is a good time to uh, um, to uh, ask questions. You can do that on Periscope or YouTube. I can see both of those platforms, and uh, unfortunately, we, we don't have a way for people to call in, but um, let's see here. So, okay, so if George has a question here, let's just ask you this one. George says, Chris White, who did Ancient Aliens, debunked the zeitgeist, debunked also has a book about the Antichrist and end times called False Christ. Have you heard about it? And how does your book differ? Uh, thank you for the question, George. I have not heard of his book. Uh, basically, when I did my research for this book, I basically did all my research just straight from the scripture, a little bit in other books from people uh, that I obviously respect from a biblical standpoint. I wanted the the book to really ha have an infrastructure of solid bible truth so if you think about building a house it's like the bible truth are the studs and the foundation and the roof of the walls and then the inner part of it in the fiction section is kind of like the sheetrock the painting and the windows and the you know the pictures hanging on the wall and that kind of thing uh so so no i did not uh read his book or, or know about his book but um i think when you see this book you're going to find a very unique portrayal of the antichrist that i've personally never seen portrayed before, especially in books, but also in none of the movies that you've seen about the Antichrist. He doesn't, um, he doesn't come across anything like I portray him in, in this book. Okay, cool. And he also says, George also says, so what do you think the four beasts in Daniel are? That's, I don't know yeah. if that's, that's a <laughs> completely different question, but. Yeah, well, yeah, obviously in Daniel, Daniel has this vision of these uh, four beasts and and we, we know from history that those four beasts are four kingdoms. Uh, it's Babylon and Medo-Persia and Greece and then finally Rome. And then there's actually a, a fifth uh, beast, a fifth kingdom that will arise in the end times uh, that has the characteristics of the Roman Empire. That's what we call the revived Roman Empire. And that's particularly the empire that this 10-nation coalition that the Bible says that, that uh, the Antichrist will command, will lead. So uh, yeah, it's pretty clear that in Daniel, Daniel 2, Daniel 7, uh, those uh, kingdoms there are, those beasts are kingdoms, rather. There you go. Well, thank you, George, for those questions. Yeah, I appreciate George. it. Anybody else, if you guys have any questions as we talk about this, just feel free to throw it up there on YouTube or Periscope. Uh, I don't know if Bareface can look at face, Facebook and see if anybody is in there. So, 
Uh, Sean wants to know if you're familiar with the work of George Eldon Ladd. He's just wondering. Yes, yes, I, I am somewhat familiar with Ladd, yes. I have no clue who that is myself, so <laughs> do you want to tell me who that is? Or Yeah, if I'm not mistaken, Ladd is a post-millennialist. Now, correct me if I'm wrong on that. I think Ladd is a post-millennialist, but I'm not positive, so I don't want to be try to be authoritative on that. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Fill us in, Sean. Tell us, tell us what you think. So, okay. So that brings up this question I'm going to ask in the meet the antichrist thing. You know, if somebody, let's say somebody's just tuned into the show and they're like, well, I've heard of the antichrist, but I really don't know what the antichrist is. You know, there's some people who say, well, it's going to be antichrist system. There's other people who believe it's a person. Uh, how do you, what does antichrist mean? That's your first question in the book. So what is that? That's a great question. Well, the, the term anti means against or in place of. And the antichrist is actually going to be both. He's going to be against the true Christ, but he's also going to present himself as the true Messiah, as the true savior of the world. Uh, some people have said that the antichrist is, well, I mean, it could be a figment of John's imagination. Uh, someone said John just made it up. Uh, other people say it's more of a governmental system. Some people think it's artificial intelligence. But the Bible is very clear over and over again, specifically that the Antichrist is an actual person and not just a person, but he's an actual man. Um, over and over again, it talks about him being a man. He's the son of per perdition. He's the man of lawlessness. It uses male pronouns. And so uh, we take the Bible for what the Bible says. We don't try to just jump in the Bible and all of a sudden try to find metaphorical meaning or symbolic meaning to everything, uh, unless there's a compelling reason to do so. Uh, but over and over again, and either, even when you get to uh, Revelation, where 36 times it speaks of him as the beast, it's always speaking of a specific individual. Uh, someone has asked me, uh, could you, do you believe that Hillary Clinton could be the Antichrist? And I said, no, for two reasons. Number one, Hillary Clinton is not a man. And number two, she's not evil enough to be the Antichrist. Uh, this person is going to have so much charm. In fact, I, I say in the book that he's going to have the, uh, the, the charm of a John F. Kennedy, the mystique of a Barack Obama, but the arrogance of an Alexander the Great. And so he's going to combine all of those political and personal characteristics uh, to be able to win people over. How else can he become a world leader? So that he's going to utilize those things as well. So that's kind of a little bit of the persona uh, of the Antichrist. And uh, didn't, I'm not, I haven't really uh, addressed his origins or why there is an Antichrist, but that's a little bit about what the Antichrist is. Yeah, and I think that's a great answer. I really do. Um, <clears throat> Sean just responded to his question about George Eldon Ladd. He said, uh, historic premillennial post-tribulation rapture. Okay, gotcha. So, so I knew there was a post in there somewhere. <laughs> yeah. One of the reasons why we don't believe that that the events of Revelation uh, are past is because when you look back into history, there are no parallels for the events of the book of Revelation. I mean, you don't have the, the four horsemen of the apocalypse. You don't have the seal, the trumpet, and the bold judgments. You don't have the second coming of Jesus Christ. You don't have the Antichrist and the false prophet uh, doing the kinds of things that the Bible says they're going to do in Revelation. So there's no precedence for this. Now, certainly there have been evil people in history. There have been antichrist-like figures in the past uh, before uh, Jesus' time and, and during the, the intertestamental uh, period. Uh, there were there were people, uh, Antiochus Epiphanes was one of these characters. Uh, you have the Caesars, you have Hitler, obviously. But no one, no one has ever caused the entire world uh, to take a mark. Uh, and to cause the whole world to worship him. No false prophet has ever called down fire uh, from heaven in an apocalyptic period. There's never been 100-pound hailstones and earthquakes and a third of the world destroyed, a fourth of the world destroyed, and all these apocalyptic chaotic events that have happened. So that's that's why we believe that the book of Revelation is, is a yet-to-come uh, period of time and not something that has symbolically already happened in history. Yeah. And you know what? That's really sobering. That's It's really sobering. I mean, when mm -hmm. you, I know when I really think about it, I think, wow, you know, it's, it's, um, you know, I was explaining to somebody recently about 
about Israel and, and why mm-hmm. Israel is so important in the, in the prophetic time clock. Um, I happen to be a, a student of Dr. Arnold Fruchtenbaum's teaching um, and, and, you know, understanding the Bible and the context in which it was written, understanding the Jewish roots of our faith. I am actually leading a couple of Bible studies where I'm teaching that so that people get, okay, so Israel has this issue, right, with the Messiah, and they rejected Jesus when he first showed up, and they, they don't, they, they're still waiting for him, a lot of, but at the same time, when Israel was reestablished in May 1948, um, you know, and came to pass, you know, we are definitely here, you know, in the prophetic time clock because Israel exists, and Jeff, I don't know if you you probably do. But I have gone to the Library of Congress website and read newspapers from like 100 years ago. And you can read the sermons of people before 1948 and how they were looking for Israel. Mm-hmm. Right. And wow. then and, and you can you can actually see it documented that there was no Israel before 1948. And then when Israel came into you know, being poof in a day, <laughs> which yeah. is, which is completely insane when you think about it. And, yeah, it is. <laughs> and then when you think about the six day war after that, again, completely insane. If you really think about it, it's completely insane. Um, and then you look at the persecution of the Jews throughout history and, and, and all that, you understand that. Um, talk to me a little bit about how, you know, how that plays in with the Antichrist and how, um, you know, the Messianic, Jewish Jews of today, and we do know in the end of days that the 144,000 will be coming out too after that. But you know, tell us a little bit about about that that tie-in yeah. and why it's so important for for believers to to understand. Absolutely. Yeah. In fact, uh, December I was with Dr. Furchtenbaum at a conference in in Dallas there, and he's just he's an amazing scholar and incredible man. Um, What's really interesting uh, to me, Stacy, is that you know, like you mentioned, 100 years ago, there were isolated people that were like. Where, where's Israel? Because the Bible says Israel is going to be reborn again, Ezekiel 36 and 37. And, mm-hmm. and we see this rebirth of Israel as something that people could not even really fathom until the Zionist movement in the late 1800s began to gather a little bit of steam. Of course, even then, uh, they, couldn't, uh, they couldn't officially you know, take the land. Uh, in 1920, there was a conference in San Remo, Italy, the exact town that I'm going to speak at on May 1st in right near the exact location where this happened. Uh, the, in essence, the United Nations, the League of Nations came together, the, the powers, the allied powers after World War One, and they recognized at that meeting uh, at the conference of San Remo, Israel's right to the land that God had, had promised them. And of course, it, it had been divided up all throughout uh, after World War One, And so there wasn't closure to that until, as you mentioned, on May 14th, 1948. Now, that's, in, that's an important date for two reasons, okay? Two really big reasons. Number one, May 14th is my birthday, and, and that's a big deal, okay? <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> but May 14th, 1948 is not my birth date. I want to be sure to get that clear, okay? I'm not quite that old. Uh, but the reason that was so significant, as you mentioned, Israel, since 70 AD, had been scattered to 70 nations for 20 centuries. They had been scattered to the wind all over the world. Their language, the Hebrew language, had died, and their land had become desolate in Israel. And all of a sudden, in one day, as you say, God brought that all back together again. And part of that, I believe, was because of the sympathy that the Jews received because of the Holocaust, that they were able to to receive this endorsement uh, by the world's nations to become a nation again. And I think it was 11 minutes after this happened that President Truman signed on and said, yeah, we're on board with Israel as well. Well, guess what? The land now is not desolate. The language has been reborn. And now more Jews are living in Israel than at any time since the first century. So the rebirth of Israel, some have called that the super sign of Bible prophecy or the miracle in the Mediterranean. And the reason why that's so significant is because the events of Revelation cannot take place unless Israel is in the land. Well, guess what? They're in the land. And so that birth of Israel, I believe, Stacy, was, was like, it's like the old hourglass things where you turn the hourglass over and it starts to drip down the sand. I think that's what God has done. His prophetic clock has begun again. 
uh, beginning with the rebirth of Israel. And uh, the only thing left uh, to happen before the tribulation can eventually begin is, I believe, the rapture of the church, uh, which is the next event, I believe, on God's prophetic timetable. Yeah, you know, I I believe that, too. And I will say, too, you know, our friend Doug Hershey, our mutual friend, he wrote that book, you know, about Israel rising and just put in photography, you know, mm. how the desert in Israel, because yeah. I always tell people, if you've never been to Israel, go to California. It's the same thing. <laughs> I mean, the land, I grew up in California, it, exactly like Israel. It's a desert. It is literally, Israel's a desert, people. But you would never know it. <laughs> because... yeah, now they're exporting their fruits yeah. and their crops to other nations uh, because there's so much uh, richness and fertile land there. It's crazy. It is. It's it truly is crazy. But it's exciting, too, at the same time. I think I think it's crazy, but it's exciting at the same time. So uh, so it is the bottom of the hour. So I'm going to thank our sponsor, who happens to be Ariel Ministries, Dr. Arnold Fruchtenbaum's ministry. Uh you guys, hey, if you haven't yet checked out Ariel.org, this is the final month of their sponsoring our show. I want to let you know, please go over to Ariel.org and, uh, and and go shop. Shop until you drop. Get the Yeshua series, the Highlights of the Life of Christ from a Jewish Perspective series. Get their books. Get Arnold's book, Israelology, The Missing Link in Systematic Theology. And get his book, In the Footsteps of the Messiah, which is his end times Bible prophecy uh, study on the book of Revelation and the different views. I think, you know, if you if you really want to get a basic understanding, just get all, all those books I just told you. You can get them in MP3 format. You can also get them um, as PDFs even. Uh, the prices are extremely affordable, but with us, you get a 20% discount, people. Yeah, you do. Just use the coupon code Bible News. Of course, he would do that. Yeah, he would. Get used to this hair being long, people, because it's getting cut Tuesday, just so you know. Anyway, <laughs> now you know. Uh, but anyway, I, uh, yeah, so do that. Go to Ariel.org. And uh, if you want to donate to our show, we'd certainly welcome that. If you go to BibleNewsRadio.com forward slash give, you can do that. And also, uh, we have talked to you about getting your identity theft protection and uh, legal shield also through me. And today, we'll just tell you if you're interested in that, just send me a message through our website because I want to spend the rest of this show talking to Jeff about his book, Interview with the Antichrist. Here it is right here, people. You can go to Jeff's website too, jeffkinley.com, and you can get this at Amazon. I don't know, Jeff, where do you want people to get your book at the most? Just wherever you normally buy your books. Amazon would be great, uh, but also at Barnes & Noble and uh, christianbook.com or Walmart is selling this book. Uh, very excited about that as is well. It so really? it's kind of getting out everywhere. Yeah. I'm going to have to go to Walmart and see if it's in my local Walmart. And if it is, I'm going to take a picture yeah, of it. I'll go do. do this and then I'll put, I'll tag it on my Facebook. So, oh yeah. So they can follow you on Facebook too, right? You have a Facebook page? Absolutely. Jeff, Jeff Kinley, author, speaker on Facebook. Yeah, do that. Okay. Does anybody else have any questions uh, before I get into my next question? Is Randall, is there anybody on Facebook that has any questions? Maybe that I can't see. Well, there are a few people over there. I Phyllis is the only one that's said anything, and that was just to say hello to us. Say hi, okay. And then, hi, um... okay. So George has another question. He has he has two. Um, well, the first question he has is, "Have the seven seals been opened?" I don't think so. That's my answer, but Jeff can answer. And then the second no. one. Is Daniel mentions a prince of Persia, a prince of Greece, and Michael's Israel's prince. Does America have a prince? Well, what do you think? Is Donald Trump our prince? No. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't resist. Okay, so what do you uh, think? Uh, what was the first question again? Uh, well, the first. Oh, the seals. Yeah. No, no. If if the seals had been opened, you'd know. Trust me. Yeah. Uh, the other reason you'd know is because the Antichrist would be revealed already. And uh, the Bible says that the Antichrist will not be revealed until Second Thessalonians chapter 2 says the restrainer is removed. And I take the restrainer to be the Holy Spirit's influence through the church. Once the church is removed, uh, there'll be no one to restrain sin. Uh, the presence of the, of the church in the world today is what is holding back the tsunami of sin. Once we're gone, people, it's, it's going to be uh, Mardi Gras on steroids. It's going to be the days of Noah like you've never seen it before. And um, 
there's a lot of things we could get into on that. But no, I don't think the, the seals have been broken yet at all. Uh, it's going to be a lot worse than it is right now. Trust me. Um, and this coronavirus is, is nothing compared to what's going to happen with pestilence and disease uh, during uh, Revelation chapter six tells us. The other question was about, um, uh, oh, about America and the, and the prince. Yeah, scripture does mention the prince of Persia, which I take to be a, de a demonic uh, entity. Uh, demons are organized militarily. They're organized uh, uh, in a higher, higher hierarchy. And so in Ephesians chapter two, for example, you have the prince of the power of the heirs. Uh, in 2 Corinthians 4, 4, Satan is called the God of this world. Uh, Jesus calls Satan the ruler of this world. So there's a, a command structure in the satanic realm. And so it is not beyond the realm of possibility that there is a prince over our country. Scripture doesn't say that, but it's not beyond the realm of possibility since demons are territorial. We know that uh, from scripture as well. Uh, so, and, and there may obviously are many demons that have many different types of responsibilities. We don't know how that breaks down territorially from nations to, uh, to states, to cities, to areas, to neighborhoods. We don't know, uh, but certainly there's activity and there are strategic, intelligent, deceptive schemes that have been passed down through the chain of command uh, that demons are to implement uh, in their perspective areas. And so it, it's not beyond the possibility. We just can't say authoritatively, but it would not surprise me. Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting because we, you know, we talk about the media a lot. And and one of my challenges is that um, I watch how the liberal media influences people. Like take the coronavirus. I mean, this is as an example, right? So the media, the mass hysteria about about this virus, you know, the hype is unbelievable. I live in Spring Hill, Tennessee, which is like a hick town. I mean, what, 30,000, maybe 40,000 people here? Not a ton. But we have a Facebook group here for our local community with about 24,000 people in it in our city. So like most of the city is in it. Yeah. And... You know, I've lived here seven years and have watched it go from, you know, it's snowing out quick, go get to go to Kroger's and get some milk and, you know, bread and because we're all going to die to literally the city getting out of gas when they thought uh, there was going to be a fuel shortage. I mean, all the gas was taken out to, you know, other stuff. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, you know, and, and now everybody's making jokes about the coronavirus and, you know, hand sanitizer and toilet paper and and, you know, even even little memes, you know, with little hand sanitizer or plastic bag, like they're selling it like it's like it's crack, you know, like, hey, you take this. <laughs> and, you know, whereas I find it funny because a, a big part of the population can make fun of it. I also find it very concerning because it shows you how influenced people are in front of that TV. And uh, unless you're part of alternative media and you, you're a reader and you block yourself off from all the, the tripe that comes through, you know, it's really easy to be deceived and heavily influenced by, these, by, yeah. by this stuff. And it concerns me because I feel like there's a, a more of an um, easy deception out there uh, because the church doesn't have that much influence it seems to me anyway over the population as it used to i don't know what do you think about what i just said well i think you're right i mean the media has incredible influence and the purpose of media of all media the secular media is to sell uh, mm -hmm. they're they want to make money and they they don't make money on stories that don't have legs so they have to create legs for stories and certainly uh, this coronavirus thing certainly has the possibility of becoming a global pandemic and of, of affecting our lives from a health standpoint. Uh, to this point, it, it hasn't done that worldwide, but it is affecting us in every other way. And it just goes to show you when, when you press the right domino, Stacey, it, it has a domino effect all the way down the line to the point where, like you said, there, there are shelves that are emptying uh, across America for various things. And I mean, even in small places like where I live here, uh, the same thing is happening. And so, the media would love nothing more than to keep this story alive because as long as the story's alive, they're going to watch your show or go to your website or whatever. 
So there is a little bit of sensationalism. I think sometimes people accuse uh, prophecy scholars of being sensational, but I think the media is, is much more sensational about <laughs> just about everything True. that they do. Uh, but but the bottom line is, is making money. The thing is that, that I think the perspective that we need to have on this as Christians is, number one, God is in control. And if you can trust God for your day-by-day needs, what Jesus said that we are to do in Matthew chapter 6, then you can certainly trust God for this. The second thing is, is we don't know what's going to happen with this. It is, someone asked the other day, is it possible we could have some sort of global pestilence leading up to the book of Revelation? Certainly that is true. We've certainly got earthquakes leading up to that time where there's going to be massive global earthquakes. Uh, We've had other weather pattern events, uh, uh, climate affecting events that have happened. But here's the thing. If God allows this to happen, I think it will be for Christians so that we can g- get about sharing the gospel for f- for people. But we need to understand that God is in control. This could spread or it could peak and die out just like the Ebola thing did. Right. Uh, we'll see just how, how long the, the media props this thing up and tries to make this thing as big as they can. Uh, the third thing is, and this obviously relates to the book, is that when you get into the book of Revelation and you get into an interview with the Antichrist, you find that this is nothing. This is just the very tip of the iceberg as to what's going to happen on planet Earth. And a couple weeks ago, I was speaking at the largest private school in my state, in Arkansas, and there was about over 500 high school students each day who came for a three-day prophecy deal. And I was telling them about just what the Bible says about what's going to happen, but giving the hope that Jesus gives uh, for us as the church at the same time. And afterwards I was visiting some classrooms and they were doing some Q and a with me. And, and uh, one girl said, you know, what, what are we supposed to do? I mean, I, I never thought the world would, would come to this. And I said, I just quite frankly, just said to her, I said, just out of curiosity, what did you think was going to happen? I mean, did you think that mankind was just going to, we're just going to sing John Lennon's Imagine and we're all going to hold hands and everybody's going to get along and Jews and Muslims are going to have a party together. And that. No, history, even without the Bible, would be headed towards a very dark place. But the Bible says that God does have a prophetic plan for the end times. And it involves a lot of grace and a lot of rescue and a lot of salvation. But it also involves a lot of judgment as well, not just from God, but also the wrath that comes from the Antichrist. And that's part of what I cover in the book. Yeah, I I think that's interesting, and I know people are hungering and thirsting, mm-hmm. especially kids, because they want the truth, right? Yeah, they do. You know, and just going back to this coronavirus thing, just for a second, you know, I was thinking something today. I was thinking, well, here's an original thought. So everybody's been kind of making a comment about China, right, how we get stuff from China all the time. So let's just say, for sake of argument, that all the hand sanitizer we're getting is from China, what would happen if that hand sanitizer was tainted people with some type of nefarious chemical that could kill everybody? <laughs> and yet here we are all going and getting hand sanitizer, you know. I, I mean, I did think that. I thought, well, wouldn't that be kind of nefarious for them to, to do that? By the way, I like the fact that you use the word nefarious in your book, too. That's a cool okay. word. I don't <laughs> like what it means, but it's kind of a cool word. Um, but you know what I mean? It's like people are so easily deceived that that something, you know, we're being told, go get it. It's like, well, well, well I why? think the thing that, that we can say for sure is that it's very difficult to get accurate media reports out of China sometimes uh, because they tend to be uh, tight lipped about things at, at times. And so but but I do think that, again, common sense it really kind of rules the day and something like this. And we just, you know, just be, don't be afraid of getting the coronavirus. Just uh, keep yourself healthy and, you know, do wash your hands. I think it's important to wash our hands and just to be healthy people. In fact, that's one of the reasons why Jews during the bubonic plague didn't get sick by and large and why the bubonic plague, the black death was blamed on the Jews because they weren't the ones that were getting sick. Well, turns out they were practicing ceremonial washings and they were being good Jews and uh, they kept themselves clean from the things that were uh, causing some of these uh, diseases. And so uh, I think that just exercising common sense is the best, uh, the best course of action, something like this. Yeah, I agree. Okay, so now I have a, another question, too. I just want everybody to know, look, this book is a, an interview with the Antichrist, but 
Really? What do you say to, um, you know, people who say, well, I'm a Christian and I'm not looking for the Antichrist. I'm looking to Christ himself. You know, what's this? Yeah, we don't have to look to the Antichrist. How do you how do you refute that? That Well, I, I, I wouldn't refute it. I would say that's exactly what you need to be doing. Don't be looking for the Antichrist. Be looking for the Christ. Be waiting for him to appear. Uh, so so then that begs the question, then why a book about the Antichrist? Right. And so um, the way I would respond to that, Stacey, is simply to say, A, he's in the Bible. And all scripture is profitable uh, uh, for reproof and correction, for training, instruction, and righteousness. So it's in the Bible. That's important. Secondly, it's in the last book of the Bible. Right. Uh, God chose to end his written revelation to mankind with a book that is 95% prophecy. And much of that book is about a person called Antichrist. And so if God chose as some of his last words to tell us about this person, then certainly there must be something that we need to learn from it. And I think what we can learn from it is this. We can learn a lot about God, a lot about his sovereignty. Uh, we can learn a lot about Satan, uh, a lot about depravity and mankind. Uh, we can learn a lot about God's prophetic plan for the end times uh, through the Antichrist. We can also, though, as John tells us in 1 John, learn how to begin to identify the spirit of Antichrist now. You see, some of the things that we see happen through the Antichrist as we study him, that teaches us how we can now recognize the way that that spirit of Antichrist is at work today in the world and in the church. And the Bible says in 2 Thessalonians that God is going to send a deluding influence upon the world to believe the Antichrist because it says they rejected Christ previously. And so there's a whole lot we can learn to, about his deceptions, about his delusions, about the way that Satan works and his schemes. Uh, and so I think that's another reason why uh, we should study the Antichrist. And I would say one final thing about that, too, is that I, I, people ask me all the time, a lot of times it's people my age or whatever, who have kids who may be millennials or teenagers or whatever. They just say, Jeff, how do I get my, my friends, my relatives, my kids, my grandkids to to read about what God says in his word in terms of revelation. And this is a great introduction to that. This is a, especially if they're, if they're not into the Christian literature, you can give them a book like this. Uh, they're not going to be uh, just hit over the head with a gospel hammer uh, in this narrative. It, it's a book about the antichrist. Uh, it's only at the end of the book where now that you've created this curiosity about the antichrist, now there are natural questions that the reader is asking now about the Antichrist, and boom, here's this whole section in the back of the book that answers those questions for them. And then, of course, at the end of the book as well, I do give people an opportunity to trust Christ as Savior as well, because the worst thing you could do would be to read a book about the Antichrist and then live through the time that the where the Antichrist is reigning. So I give them a chance to kind of opt out of that. Yeah, and I like... I like that. And what I will say, I will, I will give you guys a little sneak peek about in here. One of the things he, he talks about is the rapture, right? But you don't use the word rapture. Mm -hmm. You're talking about a disappearance, a different, I forgot how you, you word, word it, but, mm -hmm. but the rapture is mentioned and this is how the antichrist is coming t to power, right? Mm -hmm. Is after millions and millions of people have disappeared and, you know, I mean, think, and I have to tell you, Jeff, when I read what you wrote, I was like, yeah, you know, I had never thought about it that way before. Like, I mean, we, we've seen depicted in like left behind, like the pilots and the airplanes and everything crashing and stuff. But a lot of the other stuff you bring out, um, like, um, like, like, um, hospitals, you know, doctors operating on people or, or, um, you know, just uh, just in general, there has to be leadership that's going to have to step into it. You know, countries like America are going to crumble. I really believe that. And you also pointed out how some countries won't. <laughs> and, and I thought that was that was astute, too, because, you know, there are communist and Muslim countries out there and other, you know, religions and stuff that are dominated in these countries. And those people are going to be left behind. And and um you know, and all that. And then you had all, you had alluded also to the, to, to the beast, you know, to the taking the, the mark of the beast and stuff. And I know, Car do you know Catherine Albrecht? No. Not familiar with her? She, Catherine, she had a show a number of years ago. She's no longer on the air, but she, uh, she wrote a book, a children's book about not taking 
the mark of the beast hmm. she was the one she wrote a book called spy chips she hmm. many years ago when the um the grocery stores introduced their their cards to us to uh get you know to, so for us to swipe so that we could save money loyalty cards Lo yeah loyalty cards um she she actually did a uh um a video with with uh grant jeffrey before he died on the whole way that spy chips kind of came in and you know this whole system of how being tracked and you know all the various things even now up to our fridges and things like that 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 are run in ways that the old-fashioned fridges aren't you know right so and and it's kind of funny because if you like just if you think about new washers and dryers or new fridges compared to 50 years ago you know <laughs> You can go to a garage sale and get a dumpy old washer and dryer with just a lid, you know, and a turn dial. And today you can get this electronic computer, you know, <laughs> with 15,000 ways that you could do your laundry. Uh, completely different. But anyway, but um, but she I wrote. Right. I think technology uh, certainly does play into the end times. I mean, the, the things that John was seeing in the book of Revelation where many times he would say the whole world, the whole earth, you know, that type of thing would see certain things. And uh, that's never been possible in the history of mankind until now. And now at least the technology is in place uh, to do that through Periscope, through Facebook, Twitter, uh, YouTube. Mm -hmm. I mean, every live streaming, um, everybody just about has access uh, to uh, the internet and uh, those in the Middle East, obviously you're going to see a lot of these things happen in, in real time as well. So, so technology, I think certainly will play a part in that. What do you think of the, um, like, like with our show on Christian on the internet, I don't, I'm intentionally not on Christian platforms. I'm on, you know, Google with YouTube. I'm on Twitter with Periscope. Um, we're on Twitch and some others, but like, like I, I shared before the show, you know, we have 6,000 followers on, on Periscope, over 6,000 followers followed our show on Periscope. And as of right now, we have 96 people that have come through the show. So the show is being hidden and spiked on purpose, I believe, wholeheartedly, because uh, it's ridiculous. I mean, there's like 6,000 followers on our show, but 90, not, not even 100, and we've been on the air almost an hour. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, media is very competitive today. I know that for a fact, and it is hard to to establish and kind of find your niche in there. But you know, it's it's interesting. On the other hand, that I think that the, the technology that we have today with the internet is really sort of the Roman road of of our day. I mean, the Romans they built roads to the world. That's how they expanded their empire uh, eventually and got the you know the message out and and took their, their, uh, their way of, of living uh, to places like England and Spain and places like that. Well, I think the internet's that way today. And certainly it can be used for evil. It can be hijacked. It can be, you know, pirated in every other way, but it's also a great opportunity like you guys are doing to, to do your best to try to get the word out there using those same uh, avenues of technology that, that other people use. Yeah. It's just that they're hiding it though. That's my point is they're hiding our show. Because there was a there was a point where we were getting seven hundred to a thousand people in every show, and over the last two years, it's just plummeted, and wow. and we're like I I talked to uh, um um Ron Ron Platt is that right is that right Bareface yes yeah Ron Platt who uh, wrote a book um, he goes by Papa Bear Alaska, <laughs> and he was telling me that he went into and he, he was pretty big on Periscope. Uh, he went into Twitter headquarters and he said there was this demonic oppression when he went in to visit Twitter and Periscope. And, um, and he could tell that they just didn't, they hated Christians, that they hid everything that they did. But they somehow liked him because he was on Periscope, not not intentionally preaching and being a Christian as much as he was sharing, sharing Sarah Palin's Alaska, except it was his. <laughs> It was his Alaska, you know, uh, and all that. But anyway, do you, uh, let's see, we've got a couple of minutes left. Do you want to offer I, one last, well, actually one last question. What do you think the origin or the, uh, you know, the, 
the Antichrist is going to be. Do you think he's going to be Jewish or Muslim? I know Wally Chubat and others think he might be he might be Muslim. Um, but what do you think? I think he's going to be a Gentile. Uh, I think we see that in in uh, Revelation chapter thirteen, uh, where it talks about him rising up out of the sea of the nations. Uh, chapter seventeen also verse fifteen also uh, confirms that I believe, and I think that. A Gentile would be best to rule over a Gentile kingdom, which is what he's going to rule over, uh, a Gentile revived Roman Empire. I think it would be hard for a Jew to do that uh, because um, he's going to end up committing what's called the abomination of desolation, where he will desecrate the Jewish temple and declare himself to be God. Uh, I think that would be difficult for a Jew to do. Uh, also, because uh, some people say, well, maybe he's going to be a Muslim. Well, you know, I don't think he's going to be a, a Muslim uh, because, again, the, the greatest tenet of the, the Islamic faith is there is no God but Allah. I don't think a, a true Muslim would proclaim himself to be above Allah. And so uh, for those reasons, and there's many more, but I, I think that, you know, ruling over the Jew, uh, ruling, ruling over the Gentile kingdom, uh, committing the abomination of desolation, those all point to a Gentile ruler. So uh, and in people, it, it also says in, in, in Daniel uh, chapter nine, that that he will come from the people of the prince who is to come are the ones who will destroy Jerusalem. Well, who destroyed Jerusalem? The Romans. And so we believe that this Antichrist will rise out of the Roman world, uh, whether he'll be an Italian like I portray in the book or whether he'll be just someone out of the whole Roman, old Roman kingdom. We don't really know. Uh, but personally, I don't believe that he's going to be a, a, a Jew or a Muslim, but rather a Gentile. Okay. Which I find interesting because I would think that the Antichrist um, would be Jewish because Jesus was Jewish. But yeah, but yeah, you're, I think he's going to be. I think he's going to be a Gentile. Yeah, I <laughs> I agree. But I but you would think that I would think that you would think that he might be. But you know, so you think he's going to come well, out? Some or... people, I think some to your point though, I think some people think that the reason the Jews. Because what, what really starts the seven-year tribulation, Stacy, is not the rapture, but the signing of a covenant right. that the Antichrist in Daniel 9, 27 makes with the Jewish people. That is the official date where the seven-year clock begins. And some people say, well, you know, the Jews uh, would only sign a covenant with someone who is a fellow Jew. Well, when you consider the context of the fact that this person is going to rise to political power in a post-rapture chaos, He's going to bring peace to the Middle East through this covenant, I believe, in a way that no president or world leader has ever been able to do. So in that sense, his nationality is sort of irrelevant. Uh, but I think we have to focus in on just what does the Bible say? I think it, it would tell us that he is going to be a Jew. Of course, some people say with it, well, he's going to, uh, it says he'll reject the God, the God of his fathers. Uh, some people say, well, that's that means he's a Jew. But when you look at that Hebrew word, it's the word Elohim, which means God's of his fathers. So when you look back at his ancestry, some, his ancestry is going to be pagan because they worship many gods. So from that reason as well, I think it rules out a Jew or a Muslim in that case. You know, we can't be completely dogmatic on that, but I'm about 98% sure that he's going to be a Gentile. Sure. Yeah, I'm not arguing with you on that. I just, I just, I, understand, yeah. I just think it's interesting. And yeah. so one last question. Mm -hmm. Okay, Kat, you need to leave me alone now. I'm doing a show. Yeah. Um, do you think he is alive today? Well, I think that this is an interesting point because that your, your listeners will find fascinating is that if you think about it, Satan does not know God's prophetic timetable. Satan does not know when the rapture is going to take place. Satan doesn't know when God's going to begin to unleash his judgments. So theoretically, Satan has to have an, an antichrist candidate ready in every generation. And so I think that's what he's been doing because he hasn't known. I think Hitler was his attempt uh, at that time uh, to uh, to begin to rule the world. Hitler killed the Jews. Uh, Hitler wanted to have a thousand-year reign to mimic the thousand-year reign of Christ. Um, but I think uh, to answer your question is that, yeah, I think he could be alive today. I mean, if you think if Christ comes back in the next 30 years or 35 or 40 years, then certainly the Antichrist must be alive today because he can't be a world leader at age 10. He's going to have to be in the political arena and to be able to command a coalition 
of 10 nations uh, in a newly confederated Europe or revived Roman Empire. And certainly a younger person couldn't do that. It has to be someone who has fairly established. So I think for that reason, you could say, well, if, if Christ is coming back in the next 30 or 40 years, he's certainly alive today. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I personally, if you look at Israel and what's going on with Israel, like you and I both believe that's the time clock, you know, I think it's very possible that he's alive today. And I do think it's also very interesting that um, uh, we have the technology that we have today because we wouldn't, you know, when in the 80s, we didn't have this, mm -hmm. you know. Um, and I also think, interestingly, the spirit of narcissism is so rampant today that I think that the world... I I do think I've been thinking a lot about this obviously but I do think that the world would need a massive satanic antichrist who is a classic narcissist to rule the world because it would take somebody that narcissistic to get the attention of the narcissist in the whole world today because <laughs> no. of the rise of narcissism in in the world today I mean just you know well, that's true. And he, he is going to be the ultimate self-lover. Uh, but yeah. in addition to that, the Bible says he's going to be energized and, and get his authority from Satan. Right. And accompanying his persuasive methods is going to be signs, great signs and miracles. Uh, and he uses the exact same word that uh, uses to describe the signs and miracles of Jesus. So it's he's going to be, have a supernatural power backing him. That's going to make him even more convincing to those uh, who will eventually follow him. Yeah, it's 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 not good, people. I mean, it's cool that we're living here in this day and age because we know Jesus is coming back. And we know that many Messianic believers are, um, you know, there's more Messianic believers in Jerusalem now than there ever were. And also, uh, we know that the temple basically is ready. Everything's ready, you know. And I don't know, Jeff, I talked to somebody about a year ago from Israel 365. It was a, a secular Jew rabbi who was on our show and he was saying that within 20 minutes, the minute, the minute Israel says it's okay to offer sacrifices in the temple within 20 minutes, they can do it. Yeah. So in fact, this, so, this very week that we're talking about this, uh, the Sanhedrin is making a proposal to be able to sacrifice, make a sacrifice mm -hmm. on the temple Mount, not build the temple yet, but to make an actual sacrifice there, which would be unprecedented. That hasn't happened since 70 AD. And then they went on to say, and this is, these are not Christians. Mm -hmm. They went on to say that once that happens, they said, quote, there is no turning back for us build, rebuilding our temple. So they're very intentional about this. There's going to be a rebuilt temple in Revelation. Uh, the Temple Institute is committed. They've trained priests. They've made sacrificial offerings already. Uh, they are preparing themselves, drawn the blueprints. They've made the outfits. They're ready to go. All they need is some document some peace plan to make it possible for them to rebuild that temple. And I believe Antichrist is going to give them that. I talk about that in the book. Yeah. And I hope that we're not here to see that. <laughs> no. I think if you're here to see that, then I think you've been left behind. <laughs> Absolutely. But anyway, so, all right, well, our time looks like it's up. So go ahead and just, you know, let everybody know where they can get your book. And if you have any final comments, that's, totally cool. Too. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Amazon.com, jeffkinley.com. Uh, just go check it out. Uh, it's it's become the number one release uh, in Christian fantasy in the audible version, in the print version, and in the Kindle version. And so it's already gone to number one. Uh, find out why. This is a compelling read. And I really think you'll be equipped and encouraged really as you read through because knowledge is power and Bible prophecy never breeds faith. It always, excuse me, it never breeds fear. It always breeds faith. And so I think your faith is going to be built through this. You don't have to be afraid, but most of all, you need to know what God says. He wants you to know about the future. Do that and you'll be well equipped. Yeah. And this gets my seal of approval, people. I don't usually read fiction, but like I was telling Jeff, this totally hooked me and, um, and I have to leave now so I can finish reading it. <laughs> so I will Good. say, I will say, as I always say, be bold people. Stand up and go with God because he loves you. And don't forget tomorrow night, 8 o'clock, Bareface is coming back to uh, share, with, share with you something on Sunday night. I'm not sure what, but we'll figure it out. Uh, and so don't forget, you can leave your comments, questions, send those to me through our website or social media, wherever you're at. And thanks for tuning in. We'll see you tomorrow.